Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 59 of Utopia to Me with me, your host, Chris Locke. Hey, all right, here we go. 59 episodes in, almost at 60. My podcast is getting old, man, and I love it. 2016, old man podcast, Utopia to Me. And this episode, ah, I'm so excited. It was a really, really great conversation with a classic Canadian celeb, Scott Thompson, from Kids in the Hall and Larry Sanders Show and Hannibal and so much more. And we had so much fun. This is one of my actual favorite convos because I think that uh, Scott's Utopia, uh, as you will see, is uh, pretty close to a world I would like to live in. So much fun uh, and danger and excitement. Oh, you'll see. But uh, yeah, how are you guys doing? What are you you driving your car right now or what are you doing? You you skipping? Are you, who skips anymore? Does anyone go down the street with a skipping rope and just goes, uh, ah, I got time, and then they skip to where they're, wherever they're going? I would love to see that. Hey, just a mini little uh, utopian thing just for me off the top uh, before we get into this convo. Why don't you guys get some skip ropes huh? and uh, do that a bit more? Uh, I'll do it. Anyways, it's early and my baby wakes me up all the time. So my brain is mush. These are the ideas I get. But before I come up with more stupid ideas for a weird world, uh, we're going to dive into episode 59 with the super hilarious, uh, mega talented, so much fun guest, Scott Thompson. So here we go. Enjoy. I'm talking. What's your cat's name? Totally party. So that one's Bernadette. Bernadette. And then that black one. Oh, you got black one. I got a black one, too. She's a bit more shy, but that's Wolfman. Oh, nice big cats. Yeah, well. I got huge cats. I have a huge cat. What's your name? Uday. Uday. Yeah. I like it. Uday Hussein. That's great. Yeah, he's named after Uday. I mean, Saddam's oldest son. Yeah. Um, When I named him. Was Saddam's son a good guy or a bad guy? No, bad guy. They're all bad, Evil. But, you know, Sexy. (laughs) <laughs> Quite often that's the case, right? <laughs> so, but I na- he's 17, almost 17 years old. He's a really yeah. old, old cat. So when I got him, yeah. it was before the world changed. And yeah. um, I was working on a documentary with my old boyfriend about Saddam Hussein. You got Udan the cat before 9-11. Yes. Is what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Okay. exactly. So, yeah. and the, and, and so my boyfriend was making a documentary about Saddam Hussein, and I wrote it. And so I became, both of us became obsessed with the, uh, the family. Yeah. So I just thought Uday was really hot. I mean, I knew he was a monster, and he tortured people, and if the yeah. soccer team screwed up, he beat them. But right. I just, just, I like the name. And yeah. so I call him. You like bad boys. I do. You like world-class bad yeah, boys. Yeah, like Putin. <laughs> like Manny Pacquiao. Do you like Putin? I would definitely have sex with Putin. <laughs> the idea of taking a guy like that and like yeah. making him mine. He's oh, incredibly sexy. You like them bad, but you would be worse. I want to be badder. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That's a great way to start. Yeah. An, I, a, I mean, I certainly... Look, it's not that I really even find Putin that attractive. Um, I just like... I, li- I'm a, I like power. And, I mean, I understand that he's a bad... I mean, these are bad... You know, I get Very it. Bad. But I'm just talking... Just, you know... Yeah, politics so, aside... Politics should stay out of the bedroom. Newspapers aside. Yeah. You know, and so... I find that really interesting. Like, I, I find, like, that kind of male arrogance really hot. And I know it's not, um, it, it, it's, it doesn't reflect well on me. <laughs> but, you know, it's not that I, 
that's probably maybe why I'm alone because I just can't find a world class, you know, yeah. bad boy. But you know, yeah, like, you're literally like a sort of like you in almost in your utopian world. Me just piecing it together, and we yeah. are literally two minutes in. Yeah, I feel like you would be a sort of gay James Bond. That would have to sleep with these evil powers. Yeah, and take them down for the, for the world. And also, <laughs> it wouldn't just be about satisfying my perverse desires. Yeah. It's also because I'm doing it for good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I, I that really makes like, our listeners feel better. They're yeah. like, oh, he's not joining the bad guy. No, no, no. He's no, I'm a good, I, I am a good guy. Um, <laughs> but I have this unfortunate weakness for yeah. bad men. And it's not even bad men. Yeah. I, I just like – I find power fascinating and um, – you know, I, when Putin, like the way that Putin is screwing the world up, I find it's, it's terrible. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's no worse than any of the American leaders. He's mm-hmm. just more open about it. And he's on the other side. So, you know, mm-hmm. we're fed all of our propaganda and they're fed all their propaganda. It's true. Um, I remember hearing this thing uh, about uh, during the Cold War, um, the USSR didn't really know about the Cold War. They barely knew... Really? What, what everyone in North America was thinking, like, and that was what we were. We were. That's all they talked about. I mean, the Cold War. It doesn't seem true, but I think no, it doesn't seem true. Yeah, I mean, they obviously knew there was tensions, yeah. but it, I don't think it was spun the same way as it was in America. Oh, it probably wasn't. I mean, you know, I went to Russia a few years ago, and I, I really enjoyed it. Obviously, yeah. I had a very different. I was at the Olympics, and I had I was I had a crew around me. I was protected. Hey, was uh, were you with Luch? No, I went with Buddy Cole for Stephen Colbert. Oh, you! Oh, amazing! Yeah. Oh, yeah! I yeah. watched that. I watched. I was the. Dis- Sorry, I, I forgot. It's I, all right. Yeah. Um, I never even saw Luch. I, I uh, no, because he. I know he went there to cover. Yeah. Yeah, I knew he was there, but we. I never had any time to myself, and I. Yeah. I had bodyguards with me. I mean, that was that was. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no problem. That yeah, was amazing. Mention, I was going to say that you've obviously already know, but the the guest is Scott Thompson. Legendary comedian from Kids in the Hall. And uh, another thing I want to touch on after the Colbert thing is, uh, man, you're on Larry Sanders. I know. I was lucky. And we just lost. I know. Gary. Yeah. That, that was, was the one. That, 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 that hurt. Yeah, that must have killed him. Yeah, because Gary was an amazing comedian. I think he was a genius. Yeah, it like, seems he was like ge- it to me. He was a comedy genius. Yeah. And uh, he also was a really good man. Yeah. Do you have an anecdote uh, from that? Well, that, okay. Like, yeah, I do. Just, like, it's not a funny then, one. Is sure. that all right? Yeah, sure. This is this is what why I I loved Gary so much. I mean, first of all, as a comedian, I worshipped him. I, I I couldn't believe how good he was. His stand up uh, was stand up was amazing, and I was yeah, yeah. that's what I really you know. He and he and he went at stand up. Not when he start. He didn't start out as a stand up. He was a writer, right? Yeah. And then when he was like late twenties, he went. I'm going to do stand up. I admire that a lot. And so I, I, that's a I like that. Like he just went. I'm going to do something different. And um, he he was just. What I liked about him, he was always working on stuff. Like when you would do the show, the scripts were never cooked. Like up right. until – even when you were shooting, Gary was always fiddling and wondering and going, why don't you try it this way? And if anyone said – like if a, a cameraman or a, a makeup artist had an idea, he'd listen. And that was really important because magic can come from anywhere. And um, he, his ego – certainly he had an ego because if you stand up on stage and you want people to laugh at you, you've got an ego. Yeah. You're saying that I have something to say, so you have an ego. But he kept it in check, and he knew that it was something he had to work on. So he was always working on himself. Yeah. And uh, my f- uh, second week on Larry Sanders, my uh, brother committed suicide. 
And uh, whoa, yeah. So I didn't, okay, it's okay. Yeah, uh, you know, why would you know? I mean, he, he and that. So that obviously, and we were only a year apart. And uh, and you're in L.A. I'm in L.A. Yeah. And I just started on Larry Sanders, and my life, basically, the bottom fell out of it. And I, I, um, I was going to come home right away. My mom said, "You, Thompsons, finish what they do." So she said, "You do that. Go in. You do that scene." And and then you get on the plane. That's huge. I know. And I was I'm like, dying. Mom, I went. She goes, No, you do it. Your brother would want you to. So I went in, and I I can't really remember. Like maybe my boyfriend at the time had called and told them. And Gary was so kind to me. He took me into his office. Everything stopped when he knew, and we just spent about an hour talking. And he told me the story about when he was young, losing his brother. Cause he, and it turned out we had the same wound. And um, Are you kidding? Yeah. That's insane. And it was really... We're not even eight minutes into this, and I'm dying. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know, but I mean, and it was really wonderful. And that ever yeah. since then, I can say nothing bad. That's and he really told, amazing. He just told me about, we just talked about brothers and what it meant to him, and, and the wound, the hole that it left in his life. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I knew that that was very much. He had a brother that was sick, and died when he, I think he was thirteen. And so that wound, that hole in his life, is something I think he's always been trying to fill. One of the holes. Right. So I get that totally. And we did the scenes, and I remember very. It was very difficult for me to keep it together, but I did. I mm-hmm. didn't have a lot to do, and then yeah. I came, went home, and I and I did Dealt whatever with the had family. to be done, and then came back. Yeah. But that. That first season of Sanders, I'm really out of it. Yeah, like, I'm not really together. That's too much. Like when I watched that for that season that I was on, I can't even remember some of it because I was in such a state of grief. And um, I uh, so that first season on Sanders was not what I would what people. It wasn't like amazingly fun for me. You know, yeah. I was really fighting just to stay together. It was only the second year. That I started to really enjoy myself the way I should have. For that cliche of, that. of uh, man, that's really sweet. That's very yeah. But for that cliche of like the the uh, passive sort of like aw shucks kind of Canadian, you're a really powerful, mighty, um, outspoken, really independent. You don't fit that cliche of a Canadian. I don't, Chris. You're a powerhouse, no, and just I'm even not. knowing that right off the bat, the anecdote of of Gary Shanley no. and what you went through no one knows that and no. how you just powered through like that's just pure like, no like I don't I don't really fit in here yeah. like I, I and that's well, probably why I'm going back to the states I heard you're moving because back because yeah. there seems to be no place for me there seems to be no place for my voice um, yeah. I think it's too aggressive I think it's just it, it, it doesn't uh, adhere to the Canadian rules of show right. business and you know what I mean? And the, and the Canadian television has to be one way and they say they're diverse, but they're really not. Yeah. The CBC is n- not remotely diverse. Sure. It's filled with gay men, but they're all the same kinds of gay men. Do you know what I mean? Like everybody toes the line. Can you describe? No. Them? And I won't say, you know what I'm talking about? I'm, yeah. I'm a very sexual person. I'm a very aggressive person. Right. Uh, and I also really, really believe in show business. And uh, I love it. Yeah, we've I love about that art. Before. You love show, and the show I think business. that one of the things that holds Canadian showbiz back is it's too fair. Yeah, socialism is the enemy of art, 
And so I think this idea that everybody should have their turn is nonsense. It only right. hurts everyone. It hurts the people that aren't ready, that really shouldn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Be doing what they do. They, they really shouldn't. Yeah. And it hurts the people that are really strong, that are willing to give everything, you know what I mean? Sacrifice everything to get ahead. Shouldn't they be rewarded? And that's a very American way of looking at the world. I certainly still believe in taking care of of the weak and people that are that fall down absolutely all that stuff in a social safety net etc but i don't believe in punishing the strong and that's oh, what yeah. that's what i think canadians and i feel like people look at me and go oh scott thompson he's had his day right when the kids in the hall finished they were like oh now move on now and the americans would build on that career right. on those careers yeah. that never happened here and to this day the reason i'm going back to la is because i feel that for the second time in my career in Canada, I've hit the ceiling twice. But the Lorne Michaels connection for Kids in the Hall was a fluke for Canada anyway. A fluke. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you, you guys were super lucky because of that. Not, I mean, you guys are the, the best sketch show like ever, but well, you still had Lorne, you know. Lorne. Oh, maybe you guys in no, Mr. No, Lorne <laughs> kicked the doors down. Yeah. He did it in, you know, he's a Canadian, but he did it in a very he American way. Yeah. And you have to. He just said, these boys are it. You give them what they need. And yeah, he would stay die out of if their he was way. stuck here. Yeah. You get out of their yeah. way and you let them do what they do. And that was not the, and so every time we'd hit a road, roadblock, Lorne would come in and go, let them do it. Yeah. Let the uh, lunatics control this asylum. <laughs> Right? Oh, God, we're not actually I would love running. That. I would oh, love you, that. Wouldn't you? It's not like we're actually running an asylum. We're doing comedy. Yes, the lunatics should run the asylum. The more I stay in Canada, the more I feel like a lunatic, too. Yeah. <laughs> and you, it, you are a lunatic. You are. You're hilarious. Look, when I, I love watching you on stage. Oh, You're just thanks. amazing on stage. Oh, you, you bit my setup to. What? I bit your setup? You <laughs> yeah. are. And, you know, you know, I just don't understand this, this thing in Canada of not. You know, taking people like if I was in, you know, the CBC, I know who who I would bring and put together and and and, and give them stuff to do. Oh yeah, there's so and many. And it wouldn't just be about oh, this person's had their time. The now it's this person. If that next person wasn't ready, no, I wouldn't give it to them. Right. It's not fair to them either. No, I see. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And and so I think it's self defeating. And um, the kids in the hall were not like we were very much. We were very very arrogant. We knew we're the best. Yeah. And we were, no one was going to get in our way. And we were just, we probably weren't as nice as people are today in comedy. But maybe that's a detriment to some uh, I, career uh, oriented people. I, I think so. Is uh, they're compromising themselves to be friends with everybody, yes. especially with social media, right? Social media. This is what I was thinking about the other, <laughs> to this more today. Yeah. I, I, after I did my show in um, uh, Hamilton, it was, a th- it was the best show of these shows I've been doing. So I went online and say, oh, thanks for the opener, Kyle Rackie. You were hilarious. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. He is yeah. great. And, and, and the theater and all that. What a wonderful night. Within minutes, there's someone who'd seen my show in Picton the night before going, I hope you liked Picton. Now I have to go back online and <laughs> go, yes, Picton was fantastic too. But I'm like going, this is onerous that every day after a, yeah. a set i've got to go online and thank everyone and say what a great night 
No. Everybody is being policed by everyone who's got a portal. Yeah, like, oh, we were all so good, and everybody was Sean, and what a great night, and it's such a privilege to be in this community. And I'm thinking, it's so passive-aggressive. Weird. Because what about the people that are going like, I'm number one, out of my fucking way. Right. And there has to be room for that. There's, it's too friendly. You, yeah, you do feel that in L.A. It's too friendly in L.A.? No. You no, feel, in L.A. They understand You feel that the it's, people going gangway. Yes. I'm coming through. This is a war. Yeah. Life is a battle. That's how I see it. Yeah. You've got to... You, te- you definitely... You, you definitely... There's always a place for kindness and all that stuff. But when you're really driven and you've got something to say, you know what? You're going to move hell on earth to get there. And we pretend that we're not like that. It's silly. Yeah. And that's, that's one of my problems. We're with, repressed. Yeah. And that's one of my problems with um, social media and the way it's changing comedy. Right. Too nice. Yeah, no, like, I know. I'm not going to go on and say, I had a wonderful time on Chris Locke's <laughs> podcast. No, especially since you're, I can see in your eyes you hate it right now. I'm having a terrible time. <laughs> I'm going to blast you. I'm going, I did another stupid fucking podcast on a Sunday afternoon when I could be lying in bed jacking off. Hey, that <laughs> the could, Vladimir Putin I could spin speeches. that. That's still PR for me. I could spin it that. It is. See, it'd be way better. If we were involved Jackie, in... Some, no, wait, some I some just of, caught that. Jacking off to Putin's speeches? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. But, you know, Chris, what would be better for this business is if you and I were having a fight and we were trashing each other on social media. I saw something online uh, the other day. I forget where because you see a million things at once now and it doesn't matter anymore. Right. But they said that Jay-Z and Beyonce... Have I don't know how they know, they but they made it like up. nineteen million dollars off of them having a sort of spat for yeah. like the last three years. Well, what what do you think? Lemonade is Lemonade. The, her yeah. new her new album. It's all about her and Jay Z. You know damn well Jay Z's behind all of it. They know those two are the most calculated couple PR since freaks. like Napoleon and Josephine. What about Kanye and who's the Kardashian and Kim? Yeah. They're completely controlled. They're 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 well they're they're kind of geniuses yeah. in a way. It's like PR has uh, PR is superseded the art, right? PR needs to be added to the whole triple threat: actor, singer, dancer, it's PR true. genius. Yeah, that seems to be. You mean you look at a career like Kim Kardashian's, and you're like, what did they do? But she's a genius at it and and Kanye like Kanye's music has really been superseded by his his persona totally. his 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 breakdowns in public are and more I think important. he loves that right I think he's a narcissist or has he gone too far now I think he's gone too far yeah you know when people like Prince die etc and you look at the way they performed and then you look at Kanye West and you're going People, really, why don't we watch a split screen of Prince and Kanye doing that rap thing he did last year? Remember? There is no comparison. Right. Or why don't we put him beside another split screen of Al Green just killing it with a song and yeah. nothing but the singing? Right. There's just there's no nothing. comparison. Yeah. And, and um, there's so much. To me, when I watch Kanye, I feel like I'm watching a shopping mall on like a Saturday afternoon. Well, I see a closeted gay man trying desperately to prove that he's straight. Absolutely. Yeah, I've heard that before, too. Oh, I, I, I'm convinced of it. Kathleen, She's totally the type of woman that a gay man marries. 
Oh yeah, she's so female that it's yeah. so over. It's like, such an overcompensation. Like those shapes are too overt. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like he didn't marry like a boy. He didn't marry like a like a skinny little boy with no little girl with like young girl with no tits. He married literally the embodiment of. A female feminine statue of Madonna, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like, and uh, it's it's kind of like it's it, you're me. Th- you know the old expression: "Me thinks the lady doth protest too much," and and that that's my theory about him. Which is why I also find him quite fascinating. I do find him fascinating. But when you hear the song Pinocchio, you, you just listen to it. It's about who he is. Really, that's I don't know which, which which album is that one. On? I don't remember the names of the. Okay, albums. I'm gonna look for it. Yeah. Yeah, we Kathleen and uh, my, our friend uh, Lauren uh, was over last night, and we were talking about this kind of PR uh, taking over uh, art these days. Right. And Kathleen said, maybe we, we should start a controversy for our comedy careers. It's a great idea. And I, it comes out that uh, I have a, she wanted me to have a gay thing. Certainly. And then we I'll, be your, I'll be your, your fake gay lover. <laughs> totally. If people thought that you and I were screwing after, a month after you had a baby... That would be really good for your career. That'd be good for you. That would be great for my career. I don't career. know if it'd be good for me. No, it'd be good for better for my career. Yeah, yeah, it would be better because I wouldn't be the the terrible husband and father. I, I'd still be the interloper. I'm also not famous. No, but this is the thing. I get famous in a bad way. Like, who, are you famous? No, I don't. Maybe in no, I don't think I don't want to say no. Well, like, There's I'm, no way. Who's famous out of all those that group? our crew of buds? Like, is Pat Thornton famous? I would say uh, Pat is more famous than me. Is Kathleen famous yet? I would say so. Sunnyside, Mr. D. I would say Nathan. You're on Mr. D? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, okay. I would say Nathan Fielder was famous, but obviously he mega famous, States. but he went to the States. Yeah. So you mean like who stays here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there, like is Mark, Mark Little, Little. Fa- is he famous? Yeah, Mark Little would be the most. Does he get recognized? Yes. I've actually... Uh, Toured around most of the country with him, and and uh, he gets stopped every city we go for what? Uh, picnic face or mostly Mr. D? Oh, and who does he play, Mr. D? Um, a goofy teacher. Oh, okay. I don't know. So he'd be the most famous. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, that's not famous enough. There you go. No, that's not. We're screwed. We all need to ha- be caught in a weird Roman well, gay orgy. Th- that would be great. <laughs> and I have the space. <laughs> I do. I have the space. I have this. I have the waiting pool. I've got the oil. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Yeah. I would love to get. Into <laughs> I'm thinking of the Elton John scandal. Are Could you, you imagine? <laughs> we do a whole thing. Okay, whole PR move. We call. We contact Huffington Post, the yeah. Torontoist, whatever you want. Uh, all of Canada's indie alt comedians are all gay. All gay. No one ca- it never catches on. It would never catch on. <laughs> no one would care. You only we would post only, the we, articles. It's impossible to get a scandal going in this country. Yeah. I've tried so hard. Like I thought I got to start a feud with someone famous in this country. Nobody would would care. It's true, and that's tragic. That's sad. Um. Yeah. That's sad. A, yeah. Yeah, and I think that this and Canadian show business and Canadian comedy is has not gotten the memo about PR being the new arm of entertainment. Like the way that we do PR in this country is really, really sad. Yeah, and we think we're better. Well, than I have that. an album recording coming up in a month, and I'm just using social media for the most part. What else should I do? You should contact Flip Publicity. Okay, tell them I sent you. 
and tell them they should publicize you. Okay. And you got to get yourself interviews. You How gotta much get, is it? Mega? I don't think so. No. About a million, 750,000. <laughs> That's about it. You've got that. That's pocket change. Yeah. But you should get someone, Chris. I mean, I just don't think the social media is going to do it. No. I think it's just everyone talking to each other, too. It is. It's like, you know, when, like, say, for example, Glenn Sumi uh, gives someone a weird review and now and everyone's like, oh, what the hell? It's like, man, you're the only one reading that. That's right. No stranger goes and reads that. No. That's what we that we we need to feel empowered. That's what I think uh, Toronto especially you, comedians. I, I, I've been saying this to you guys. I've been I've been I said it to Dan Galley the other day. Your generation needs to get meaner and 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 stop. Yeah, and you're saying that to Dan, the sweetest guy in the yeah, world. Yeah, people need to get tougher and stop worrying about. Well, if people are like always. Oh, if I the only one who's tough besides you and you're leaving is Mark Forward. Mark Forward. Mark Forward goes for it. I respect that. Me too. Like, we went after the social for yeah, not yeah. taking any Canadians on. I was like, hallelujah. Yeah. You know, but I'm like older. Like, I'm from the next, I'm from another generation. And I've had my time. Yeah, but your personality, uh, comedian or not, entertainer or not, you're just a fighter. I bet you. I'm a fighter. Let's picture you in another job. Okay. What okay. would be another job that you would do? A UFC fighter. See? You'd yeah. literally physically fight. Yeah, a UFC fighter. Yeah. Wait, for the fights. For the fights. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because I grew up that way. I grew up my... I, I was telling the story last night on stage when my dad would babysit us. Yeah. He would have all of us boys stripped down to our underwear and we would do tag team wrestling matches in the living room. Whoa. And uh, my joke is that it, none of it made me gay, but it did make me like it rough. And, <laughs> and it, it's... I, 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 I guess I was always born with my dukes up. Interesting. And... Um, so you know, so you'd be like pumping iron all day, I'd eating pump, nothing but protein, I'd be covered with tattoos. I'd be just guzzling raw eggs. That's what I wanted to say too. You're, can I say you, the age you told me? When, yeah, you're fifty six. I am. You've you've uh, run the gamut of entertainment. You've been on all these shows. You've toured around everywhere doing stand up. You beat cancer. I did, and you still look good. You look. Almost as good as the freaking kids in the holidays in the early nineties. Oh, you're too nice. That's insane. I don't really, but tell you know, us the secret. Well, I, I, I here's the th- when I get a little bit uh, fat, yeah. I put on my. It's a girl's secret. Um, I I wear my jeans, my pants that are too tight, and then I wear them until they feel good again. That's great. That's I all need I to do. do. That and then I just um, and then I'll skip meals or whatever because I I just have a, a phobia about getting fat and a phobia you know and I'm very I'm vain and I don't want to lose my looks until I have to. I was bugging Mike Wilmot about that the other day because he yeah. lost a ton of weight because yeah. he had a scare and he was so now I have a whole new list of breads to eat. Just well, pumpernickel, right. just spelt, nothing white, nothing, no pasta, nothing, no potatoes, nothing white at all. I mean, I I. That's how I always run my sex life too. Nothing, nothing white, <laughs> nothing white. Too fattening. Oh my god! That story you told me about the cab driver once. Which one? <laughs> Which cab driver? Uh, okay, so I, I think you told me this just at a bar. Not okay. no. So it's not recorded. But would you tell that story? What, tell me the story. I think it was a Middle Eastern man. Oh yeah, it was. It would. That have been. was a. I thought that was an. Interesting Which is the one? Story. The one that 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 came out to me. Yeah, wanna, because he was here in North America and he felt a bit safer, I guess. And I told him I, I wanted, and and he and he, yeah, I, well, I he was intrigued by you. He was, yeah, yeah. And I was telling him that he should, you know, I well, I wanted to, I wanted to have sex with him, yeah. but he got just panicked 
panicked and I said, you know, I, I wanted to hang hook up with him, whatever. I said, look, we can go to a bar together. But he just got really panicky and basically told me it would ruin his life and he can't. And he, it's not really that much. I mean, I really don't because know. Because of his culture. It's just as a culture. And I, I have been involved with different men from different cultures that cannot come out. And I find it heartbreaking. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I do a whole routine in my act about that, about, I call it Muslim outreach. And, <laughs> and it's really true. And it's just like, we think that homophobia is being dealt with, but it's only being dealt with in a very, very small subset of the culture. Yeah. And the vast majority of the world hasn't remotely begun to deal with it. But it's really just, I mean, dealing with homophobia is really just, it's just the wedge for people dealing with sexuality. We really have not – we're not free sexually at all. Like people mm-hmm. are still ashamed of their desires and ashamed of what turns them yeah, on. Yeah, straight people are still. Straight people are still. We're, we're, yeah, I I even feel that within myself sometimes. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm in a really healthy relationship, right. super fun. That, yeah. You know, I just gave a thumbs up. You did. Listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but still – uh, you know, it's awkward to talk about, obviously. Well, it's funny. It's, it's the thing like, I notice on stage. Yeah. Nobody does. Yeah. Nobody talks about sex, their sex lives, except for me. And, yeah. and men, like straight guys, like you, straight white guys, have really pulled back. They're afraid of being called sexist, well, racist, homophobic. I knew this was coming. Of course you did. It's you know, it's a, it's the it's the thing I keep rubbing against. Yeah. It's it's the one thing that's obsessing me right now. Yeah, it's a very uh, tight-lipped uh, society right now. Uh, cisgender white men, hetero white men are uh, are. Uh, well, they're falling. We have to just listen to everybody else's perspective right now yeah. because it's it's their time, and that's we should. I uh, see. I see. Even, look even trying you, to be the nice guy, I'm scared e- that I'm saying the wrong thing. With but it's me. <laughs> like you don't have to worry about me. I'm not. I'm not. No, gonna, but every who knows who listens. I know, but you can cut it out. But it's true. My whole thing is just because. No, I meant to say that in a, 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 a way that's I understand, and I actually brought this up with Elvira. I do understand that we can sit back and listen to other perspectives objectively and not feel knee-jerk reactions to say our opinion. Right. That's fine because even though I don't feel like I've ran the world the last thousands of years, right? It's true. It is true. H- hetero white men have absolutely, and so that's I get it. And there's a huge, but it still makes things delicate politically and socially but not for me right because this is what i'm like going like there, there's there's an attempt now to take away gay men's privilege whatever white if you're a gay white male that people are now starting to say oh well they're they're white and their whiteness is going to supersede their homosexuality i'm like no fucking way i waited my whole life for this moment my color is not going to stop me. Do you know what I mean? From having my say. I'm a gay man from a different generation. That's, I think, is the key point. Yeah, I'm not a young gay man today. I you're grew naturally, up- like we were saying, whether you're a comic or gay or not, you're naturally a fighter. Yes. And you're from the 80s mega fighter. Yeah. You, you had to. It was a, a, yeah. an, a, a war. And I'm not over it. Yeah. I, I don't know if I ever will be. You know, I don't know if I'll ever be able to fully lay down my arms. You that know? makes sense. You I'll know, call that's it like truce, it's kind of like the the grandma from the depression. You're always like, "There's no jam left in this jar, grandma." And she's like, "There is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is." You know, like, oh, like oh, the that's one- my laundry machine. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, or I am like that. <laughs> no, I am. No, I am. 
No, I am. And that's okay. I mean, I accept it. It's fine. And I, you know, I just have to make sure it doesn't... It is a generational thing. It but is. It's absolutely. still, uh, it, uh, you know, you know, you fight for free speech and, and, and everybody, you know, it's... Everybody's noble to the degree, and, you know, it's fine. It's all good. But free speech is the cornerstone, the bedrock of, of Western society. Yeah. And it has to be fought for what, like it's your life. Yeah. I, I, I believe that. And it's, it's the thing that I will not let go. Yeah, I know. I, I, I just won't. But that's an, an admirable trait. You know, and I know I don't want to make – I want to make sure that it doesn't curdle into crankiness or bitterness. Right. And that's – there have been times in my life when it's tipped over. Yeah. I think I've pulled back from the brink now. Um, I think stand-up is helping me. Oh, yeah. It gives me joy. It allows me to just express You really this. dove in after um, fighting and beating cancer. Yeah. And you've literally even... Uh, how many seasons of Hannibal? Three? Three. During three seasons of Hannibal, you still plugged away at stage time yes, all the I time. Did. And you've become an amazing stand-up. Uh, th- that means a lot to me. Thank you. Hey. Well, I, I decided, you know, when I was really ill, that I would... When I got back on my feet... I would take those feet and I would stand on those feet and I would develop an act and and become a really good stand up. Yeah. And I'd been playing with it for most of my career, but everything that I but I'd always hated it and I'd always retreated from it and I'd always I was resentful like why would I have to do this? I'm a kid in the hall. I was on Larry Sanders. Why can't I have a regular career? Do you know what I mean? Like Ben Stiller and 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 David Cross and all these other people that I came why don't I have that career? And I knew it was homophobia. But I was that made me very, very bitter. But then what happened when I got cancer was the world changed during that year, 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. And um, when I got better, the world had tipped over and um, I could be myself. And so I went, okay, I'm going to take on stand-up now. I don't have to be Buddy Cole. I don't have to be characters. I love doing them. Mm-hmm. But I can be myself fully. And I'm not going to feel that feeling that I used to feel all the time in the audience like, ooh, they're going to attack me or they're going to go, ooh, you know. Right. And I just – people – or their their arms will never uncross, you know. And it's not like that now because men would even fight laughing at me because they didn't want any of their buddies to say, hey, you really relate to that, don't you, you big faggot? And so, before that? Before. Before, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, now it's different. Guys don't worry that their friends are going to say, why would you like him? Yeah. You know, don't you like they'd be like, you know, they'd be like, I like Bruce McCullough, but not this one. Or there was so much talk. Like I was I I would mistakenly read comments about kids in the hall. Be like and there'd be like all these comments about how my stuff ruined everything. And that always hurt me. And I should never have read it. I never. Yeah, I couldn't imagine, you know, and like I like them. But that fuck Scott Thompson. Why doesn't he shut up about the fag stuff? And I should never have read any of those things. But you don't now I'm like combing for the comment section for something horrible that I can hang on to. Yeah, maybe it is ultimately fuel for the fire. Well, it's true. Like, I, to... like I, I, I do this joke about like some of us aren't meant for peacetime. <laughs> you right. Know? You're a wartime comic. Yeah. So... Yeah, you're like a wartime uh, president. That's amazing. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but you know, I have found like new areas that I can go into and do battle. And um, it, yeah. it always is funny that the moment one front closes, another front opens. So this is actually a very interesting seg into talking about what your utopian yeah. world would be. Utopia, because yeah, it's going to be dirty. You, yeah, it's going to be dirty. Yeah. And that's what you 
probably wouldn't be happy in a super peaceful, everyone's nice world. Like you need the fight. Like an agrarian, like uh, like utopia? Yeah. No. Where everyone's just like uh, half in a bath eating grapes and the wind is nice. <laughs> no. The probably, <laughs> no. Unless I had like a warrior lover that would come back from the wars and I would take care of him and send him out again. And yeah. maybe one time when he went out for battle, I'd sneak into, into his, you know, not his trailer or whatever. I, I don't know. And then <laughs> An he, Asian warriors trailer. Yeah, and then when he's unpacking his trailer around the campfire with all the other warriors, oh, yeah. I pop out and go, ta-da. And then they're like, but you brought your bitch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I'd be like, kind of like the bird ash, which is the native tradition of like the men who go back and forth between male and female. Oh yeah. And then, then they would be like, I'm not really, he, what can he do? I mean, he can't even lift the, our axes. And they'll go, yeah, but he's got a quiver and, an, and he's an amazing archer. And they'd be like, what? Who needs arrows? And then the battle would happen and they'd all have their like, their maces and their clubs and their swords. The arrows save their lives. And, I, and then just as, you know, like as Attila or whoever my warrior lover is or Achilles is just about to be felled. Attila, he's still like the bad guy. Yeah. I would, I'd be on the, like the ridge with my quiver and I'd pull back and boom, right between the eyes of the, you know, the, the giant or whatever. And, and I would be like a hero, like kind of a, like a kind of a, like a little, like, like they, they'd go, wow, you'd never think that that, that, that he would have that in him. Yeah. That's always my thing. But how do you uh, relive that high after that one time? You'd have to keep going to different warrior battles. (laughs) I would move on to another warrior. And then (laughs) I would like the littlest hobo of warrior battles. Kind of. Because I like I'd be really happy. I mean, you know, I could be happy in that agrarian world if I did have like a good man. Like just a really good man. Uh, that's the thing that's in my nice. life that's missing. I don't have a good man. I don't have any. I don't have a man in my life. Do you find the? Um, and it is personal, so I appreciate you saying it. But do you find that your lifestyle with constantly being the entertainer and you like the showbiz and you are aggressive in that regard? Um, that's the that's the main deal with that. I mean, that's like what's finding this, the good man is that I think you that can't, first of all. Like gay men don't go to stand-up comedy. They don't go to comedy clubs. And gay men yeah. don't really follow other gay men. You made a really good joke the other at the show we did the other night about uh, laughing about the gay marriage. About how... Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't remember Which now. part? Uh, it was the line about gay men, how much... They how against monogamy they are. Oh, I say by the about it's with gay men. It's not really cheating unless you're actually playing cards. Yeah, and then I said something about <laughs> yeah, like um, by the time we get through with monogamy, you won't recognize it. Yeah, yeah, I like, love my, that cards line because it just means that there is no cheating in sex ever. Yeah, not really. If people are open about it, it's not. And gay men, they're males. But that conundrum is kind of confusing then, because if you feel that way about gay men and monogamy, right. and then you would still appreciate having a good man. Yes. That's the thing. And I would, I would love to be monogamous. Like, I tried. I, my first love, I was monogamous. And then I discovered that, you know, oh, that's my, actually it was my second, that he'd been cheating all the way through it. And I kind, that kind of, something broke then. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. That's and then I was hard. like, ah, it can't work. Yeah. And I guess I've become, I've start, I, I'm in a place now where I'm like, I just don't really, I, I wouldn't demand that. I would demand it for a while, but almost with all gay relationships, after five years, not usually before even, it, they're they're just never completely close because they're even, males. Well, even in my nicest, perfect relationship, being married to Kathleen, love of my life. 
Sometimes I can still feel distant, distant echoes of defense mechanisms from being hurt like 15 years ago. Of course. That, it's so crazy how it's just... It just echoes your whole life. Yeah. That's the thing. No matter, as when you get older, you think you're going to forget those childhood slights. You're going to forget those wounds. But they never really die. They just There's something that will trigger them and they'll pop up. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, so, you know, I mean, I think the best thing for me in an utopian world would be maybe kind of a, a rotating cast of warriors. I like you know? that. Yeah. And so it's not a modern time, or is it? It could No, be. it's not modern. It's yeah. Game of Thrones time yeah. with antibiotics and glasses. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's what it would be. It would be Game yeah. of Thrones. Take two of these, Jon Snow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that would be it. Like antibiotics, glasses, and maybe... Um, central heating. Do you like the fantasy aspect too? I'm obsessed with fantasy. Sweet, obsessed. That's really great. Dragons and that's it. obsessed. Ever since I was fantasy and science fiction were in many ways much more what saved me as a youth than comedy. Yeah, it was that. It was it was Lord of the Rings. It was Narnia. It was science fiction. It was Philip Dick. It was that's what. Oh, amazing! It was it was speculative fiction and fantasy and science fiction, and I was obsessed. With um, books about like like Conan and the Gore books. There you go, the warrior warriors. The mid- and I mean, like I, fa- so your utopian basically is you going from battle to battle in a fantasy mid- version of medieval t- era. Yes, and I'd either and I I flip back like and Conan forth. or yeah, Trump. I'd either I'd be Conan yeah. or I'd be Grace Jones. In yeah. that first movie, yeah, yeah, or I'd right. be Conan, or I'd be Conan's slave boy. No, wait, I think Grace Jones is in the, the Sec- Destroyer. Is that the second one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it'd be like that, like that, because that would be you'd be like that, like a like a like a like a like a skinny black woman, right? Bald, who's just tough as fucking nails and yeah. fucks like a banshee. Yeah, uh, that's that would be me. Or I'd be Conan's slave boy. I was and- kind of disappointed actually because I I was a tiny little kid when I saw my dad took me to see View to a Kill, uh-huh. the James Bond movie that she's in as a bad guy as well. Oh, yeah. And yeah, she destroys James Bond in destroys the bed. It. But then I was sort of disappointed, uh, older, to realize that she was a lesbian. Grace but, Jones? Uh, isn't she? No. Oh, I thought she was. No. Oh, so I thought someone no. told me she was. Oh, there. that's wrong information. Oh. No, no. Then that's great. Then I'm happy. Oh, no. I, she's not lesbian. I think a man uh, needs like a good meat grinder like that. Yeah. She used to be married to Jean-Paul Gould. Do you remember him? You wouldn't know. That was my generation. No, I don't know. He was a French um, artist and he, he, he created, I mean, he, he's the one that, that turned her into that global image that just, yeah. I mean, Grace Jones she's awesome. is awesome. Yeah. I didn't know. I thought someone told me years ago she oh, was she's gay. she's probably been done every women. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But she was, for years, she was with um, Dolph Lundgren. Someone told me he was gay too. Oh, well, that's possible. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, well, why am I saying this on a recorded thing? Yeah, that's like, that's Look, literally hearsay. Who but cares? that doesn't matter. You don't have to. If you think Grace Jones would care, could you imagine Dolph Lundgren listening to this? Yeah, I think it was Dolph Lundgren. She wouldn't give a shit. Of course, she's eating pussy. In my utopia, <laughs> in my utopia, uh, Dolph Lundgren listens to everything I do. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. I think that would be my thing, and I, I just, I love, love that. By the way, yeah. I love the medieval fantasy That's world. What I no like. one, no, you're the. This is fifty eight, I think fifty eight or fifty nine episode, and you, you're the first person to say that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, mine would be like you know, like you know, sleeping at the at the at the you know the foot of his bed. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
tied to the bed. <laughs> Wait, are you tied like a hog? Not like a hog, just by one ankle. Just oh, one I ankle. See. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Like you Curled can crawl, up on, and like I, you can crawl to your bowl that's like across the room. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe I sleep by the fire on a really cold night. Oh, that's kind of him. Occasionally he'll let me into his bed. He'll kick the, you know, the yeah. wench that's there. He probably has a boy and a girl. I'm genuinely interested now that I want to know because you say you like it rough and now you're actually in your utopia. You're chained to a warrior's yeah, bed. Yeah. Rough as in like, are there actual punches? No, like, no punches. Okay. Not a junk. Just jostling. Thing. Jostling. Wrestling. There could be some. There might be a very light whipping eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly some spanking. Did you whip this repressed cab driver? No, I never had sex with them. Oh, oh that no. would have been. Oh, but I, I have had definitely, I definitely, <laughs> definitely <laughs> spanked a taxi driver or two in my day. <laughs> this was the juiciest episode I've ever had. You know, I really like it. I mean, you know, I just, I just love the idea of like that fire and the, the you know, like a, like a fur bedspread. You know what I mean? And maybe yeah. a wolf curled up in the corner of the room. The fact that you say. Like those, but even like the Conan comics. Did you read the comics? Yes, that's the it. Books, it totally makes sense. The comics, yeah. That art is really amazing. Yeah, it's that the Frank Frazetta pictures. There you go. That's yeah. what it was. It's those pictures. It's that. It's a seventies, eighties thing. It's yeah. heavy metal. Yeah, it's that. It's the over, you know, over overtly hyper masculine, ridiculously masculine, ridiculously masculine. They're uh, giant cocks holding swords. Absolutely, cocks holding and cocks. lots of and and saber tooth tigers. Yeah, and and, and, and women re- holding their legs <laughs> like that. Exactly, that's exactly it. I, I know the picture, and there's like a woman. She's yeah. holding the legs. She's got incredible. Yeah. She's only wearing, like, acting like a, he's holding the leg. A fur right bikini, now. <laughs> right? Yeah, fur. Right. He's standing there. She's holding his legs. Right. He's just mm. wearing a little loincloth. He's got the sword right aloft, yeah. and there's the a saber tooth tiger that's you know on a ridge very close to them, watching. That's gonna pounce on them, and then he's yeah. gonna. Kill that fucking saber-toothed tiger, and then they're going to have sex <laughs> still with the tiger's blood everywhere. That's your utopia. <laughs> yeah. And then he's going to make a speech to the village about how brave I was. I love this. And I saved the town, the yeah. village. And and then he goes off to another battle, and I beg him not to. Stay, not to. Yeah. And that's when I sneak into his trailer. Yeah. And- we go off in that battle. And then battle. you prove your worth. Yeah. So all my books were all – everything I read was about – was like that. That was what I was obsessed with. If they had a cover with like that cover we just described, that was me. Well, there you go. And that informs your imagination too because you – like we're talking about stand-up. You had to adjust from sketch writing to stand-up writing. Yes. And you're a very colorful writer either way. Yeah. So there and, you go. And these are – and stand-up is a very much – well, it's a, it's a solo thing. Yeah. It's not like, you know, so, so how did you find that transition? It took a while. Yeah. It's sort of like in a weird way, it, it like when I first met the kids in the hall, I had to learn how to subsume my personality into a group. It's an old story, but is it true that you would just basically go to the Rivoli and yell at them all the time until they may- let you join? Sort of. Yeah. It's it happened once. It was the first time I saw them. It was at the Poor Alex. It was a midnight show, okay. And um, I went with my friend Darlene, 
and um, she begged me. She dragged me there, and it was there was about eight of them at the time. Sandra Seamus was even with them at the time. Whoa! Yep. Are you serious? Yes. Oh, I got to get her on this thing. She's amazing. She's the best. And uh, they were doing. There was very. Sm- there weren't a lot of people in the audience, and they had donuts taped under the seats. And I found the donuts during their show. I was so mesmerized by what they were doing. Like it was love at first sight. I just. I remember a voice in my head saying, you will be in that group, my son. That sort of thing. And I went, yeah, I'm going to. And I remember whispering to my friend, Darlene, I'm going to be in that group. And she was like, but you don't even know them. I go, yeah, but it's going to happen. They need me. And so I took the donuts. I gathered them all up. And then I just started whipping them at the stage until they noticed me. And this is also, can I just go back? This is... A not nice version no. of getting what you want. That's right. Like what you were saying. I, I mean, I ruined their show. <laughs> I mean, and Bruce, I mean, afterwards, when they were all around, and Bruce was like, are you the asshole that threw donuts at us? And I was like, yeah. Like, I was proud. Bruce yeah. was that warrior. I was, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. yeah, I did. Like, you know, like Davy and Goliath. You know, I had the little rock, but I may not have been the giant, but I had, I had the spirit. Yeah. And that's number one. You got to have the spirit. You don't have to have the size. You don't have to have any of that stuff. You just got to have the fighting spirit. Yeah. And I just had a weird feeling. It could have gone completely wrong. But I think they were like, what the fuck? Who would, who would do that? And it worked. The fact that you want their attention and, and want to be a part of it so much had to have been flattering too, though. I, I think so. You know? And uh, But it took a while. They didn't want me. It was only Mark that wanted me. And they used to watch me perform. And they were like, well, this guy has no control. And I, I didn't. But I was looking for a group that would give me control. Yeah. And I think it was very much like my, the way I grew up with all my brothers. I found another way of like a hockey team that I could join, which I, I knew my position. And I knew what I did well. And all I had to do was play that position as, as hard as I could. And I, I would be... And I would get success, and we'd win the cup. For some reason, I keep like you talking about that. The sketch keeps coming back in my mind. It's actually one of my favorite ones, where you come out to your parents that you're going to be an old Indian woman. Oh yeah, <laughs> I love that sketch. I love it. Yeah, too. and that's I think that's probably because I grew up in Brampton. Yeah, and so I watched from my generation go from a very very white town to just. It just the browning of Brampton. But in a, in an early or late eighties, early nineties time too of like. Still, like, be, coming out as a homosexual, still being, like, hard to talk about. Very. It's like, yeah, but what if I came out as a yeah, old was, Indian woman? Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a middle-aged Indian woman. I wasn't even yeah. young or anything. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. Sexy. No, I wanted to be a, like an Indian woman yeah. making curry all Didn't day. Didn't you guys actually film at Gerard, too? Like, walking the streets? Oh, I that was that. And that was amazing because, you know, like, people were really... And I was in a sari. Yeah, I know. So you had the bindi on your head. Yeah, too. with the bindi on my head. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and people were just freaked. We went into like the sari stores to buy saris. <laughs> they were like, and it was for me, so they had to try it on me. And they were not cool with that. You want to hear something actually interesting? Um, <coughs> another kids in the hall thing, and then I'll move on. But uh, a few years ago. Um, Actually, my, quite a while ago now, maybe five years ago, I went to New York to do a rash of shows, like a ton of shows all in at once for about 10 days. Mm-hmm. And my friend Zach, uh, who's in L.A. now, let me crash at his place in Greenpoint. Mm-hmm. And when I showed up, they there was a couch with a really shitty, dirty blanket. Right. And that was it. 
but they had all the kids in the hall DVDs set out for me, and they were like, "These will make you feel like at home." Really? And I was like, "Oh yeah, highly, you know, I get, it. I'm Canadian, whatever." But yeah. then, as the nights went on, and I'd come home from Manhattan or wherever, like by myself, like super drunk, and sit on the like sleep on this sorry Zach, but a <laughs> shitty couch. Yeah. Uh, but thank you. Uh, those DVDs were comforting. That's they they nice. saved me in those like weird 3 a.m. drunken, That's lonely nice New York nights. Well, it's like when, when the kids in the hall were brought by Lorne Michaels to New York for six months in late 87, 88. This is when Lorne brought us down there to um, basically see if we could cut it in New York. And his, he said to us, if you guys get an audience in New York City after six months, I'm, I will get you a TV show. I mean, that's like... A fairy tale. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a fairy tale. He <laughs> yeah. took us. He put us in apartments. He paid for them. He gave us $100 every week. That's what we got, an allowance. And we did whatever he told us. And we opened for people. And we would go in every week. He'd give us our money like a daddy. And then he'd say, you're going to open for Rita Rudner. You're going to open for Richard Lewis. You're going to open for these people. Oh, my God. That's and amazing. It is amazing. And uh, But my th- point is, Kevin and I, li- first of all, Kevin and I lived together at the beginning, and then I moved to another place. But what kept us going was watching Degrassi. When we would feel lonely and homesick, we would turn on, we would watch Degrassi. And that's what made there you us. Go. Yeah, that was it for us. Like, and yeah. We just became obsessed with Degrassi when we were in New York. Yeah. Because it was, it's it was, an extra comfort. Yeah. yeah. It's it an was extra comfort. Comfort, comfort food. And not that, not that com- people say comfort food isn't good food, but uh, I would say Degrassi is probably the greatest cultural export Canada's ever done. Um, and uh, What about kids in the hall? <laughs> well, I can't say that. Uh, you have to say that. I'll say kids in the hall. <laughs> yeah, oh, what? Oh, maybe. I'm a kids in the hall generation more than... I I, I think SCTV is the most brilliant thing yeah, me for too. sure. But I'm still kids in the hall generation. Yeah, yeah I, I would say for me, it's like, you know, SCTV, Degrassi, kids in the hall. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not just a kid in the hall. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. You know, like, it's weird that I can't be a total fan because I am one. Yeah. Well, I'm a fan of all the Last Sabbath comedians. Those are my favorite funny people. Yeah. You know, like, no one really makes me laugh like as much as like say Tim Gilbert or yeah. Sarah Hennessy or yeah. something you know what I, I mean I agree you know what I James find James Hartnett what what I what I what I'm very thrilled about this phase in my career is because I went back to my base back to the beginning and and try you know to reinvent myself I'm now solidly embedded in this new generation of Canadian comedians oh totally as a weird elder like as a but moon here's doggy. The th- here's the thing. I feel like I will become that without having the fame beforehand. Oh, that, that's sad, Chris. You got oh, oh man. How am I going to go to LA? I have a, uh, a family here now. I'm dead. But can't you I'm guys? Dead. Can't you guys go together? We might. But also, I don't like LA that much. I understand. I didn't like LA for the yeah. longest. time. I love the shows. I have friends out there that I love. Um, it's, it's just. It's not the people or the industry. It's just I don't know. I understand. Yeah, it took a long time for me. You know, I love I, the tacos. I love the tacos. See, I didn't really <laughs> like the Mexican food when I went. Oh, really? I grew to like Mexican food. Yeah, I liked Mexicans. Like <laughs> I liked Mexican men. That's when I decided I discovered Mexican men. And you know, they're not even. <laughs> everybody calls all the South all the Lat- Latinos, and they're not. Most oh. of them aren't even Mexican. Like I lived in a Latino neighborhood when I was there, and most of the people were Guatemalan, Nicaraguan, South, South, San Salvador. 
Almost nobody in my neighborhood was from Mexico. Actually, just from Mexico. No, weird. But people just colloquially refer to them as Mexicans. Yeah, yeah. But there, there's just as many people from other parts of the world. But I have grown to really love LA. Have Have you heard that Matt Bronger joke about the Latinos at the, his gym? No. Or oh no, it's like, or the Latinos. He's like, um, it's really funny because he like. Listen, he listens to the Smiths while he works out, so that's his joke. What? I know. No, wait. I, I'm what? But but how he, could you work out to the Smiths? <laughs> that's part of his joke. Yeah, I don't <laughs> that's know. That's hilarious. That would make you put the weights down. Go. I know. Like just start it's, crying. It's embarrassing. But so he was talking about his the friend Smiths. said something to this like. Morrissey is ginormous in the Latino community for some reason. They love the Smiths. They love Morrissey. Yeah. So the fr- so really? he to- he told a story on one of his albums to his, the Latino community. Um, you know they you know Morrissey's gay, right? And they were like, no, he's bisexual. <laughs> that was their <laughs> qualification. No, he's bisexual. <laughs> yeah. Really? I love that. <laughs> that they're like couldn't handle him just being gay. I I don't know. No, I guess that's that, what it infers. Me, yeah, believe me, they couldn't. Uh, yeah, I don't like Morrissey. It's too much, <laughs> it's eh? Too whiny for me. <laughs> it's too dramatic. It's you know, I I, I did. I have seen him live, and I did enjoy it. Yeah. but um, I would never listen to it. No, it's too yeah whiny. Just, yeah, yeah. Meh. I just don't like whininess. No, you want a warrior. I don't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do. I know. I'm. I'm so screwed. Like, I mean, no wonder I've been alone for so long. If you saw a like a Conan the Barbarian, yeah, like in real life, yeah, nothing on except for the fur pelt thing, right? Yeah, a giant club, yeah, and he smashed Morrissey to bits. How would you feel? <laughs> do you mean smash him literally or smash? No, I mean smash him with the club till he was like bloody Paul, but not dead. Oh, he could still be breathing, sure. <laughs> I don't... But I like the violence of this uh, yeah, imagination. I, I, what would I do? Would I step over Morrissey to congratulate him? Um, yeah, what would you do? That's what I, I might, know. I might <laughs> give Morrissey one one final kick. Uh, <laughs> just to make sure he was, well, you know, dead. But then I mean, <laughs> I, I don't I don't want I don't want Morrissey. To no, be. I know you're not a mean person. I'm not re- I'm not a mean person. No, I'm not. But but I just like hypothetically <laughs> pitting for some reason a barbarian against Morrissey. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking who would I want my like like I would be really happy in a in a, in Sparta, like Spartacus. Wow, that kind of if I like that would be. Did you like the movie Three Hundred? No, I love Three Hundred. It's just it's just it's it's. It's it's one long porn. Isn't it crazy that Michael Fassbender is one of the warriors? I didn't know that. Yeah. But he wasn't like a big actor as he is now. Really? But he still had... He's muscle. He still had the, the, the dick. He so you had, saw Shame. Yeah, of course. I've, I've watched that over and over again. That really made me upset watching that with Kathleen. Why? That's a dick. <laughs> That's a dick. That's a dick, yeah. I was like, oh, come on. That is a dick. It's basically in the water of the toilet. <laughs> That's 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 that, 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 a real dick. If you're when you get up from the toilet, it's, the head should be dripping water because it touched the, it touched the water. Oh, that makes me feel awful. There's no fucking way. Come on, they can they're gonna start. They can build toilets where the water is really close to the rim. That's what I need an environmental you, toilet. You need like, an environmental toilet with our no the, the no. You're a real you have a real dick if you can do the environmental toilets with like hardly any water. And that's you're still true. Getting it wet and you're still getting it wet. But then where does your shit go? Does it go on your dick? 
Oh, <laughs> Christ. I don't know. Yeah, well, you've, I don't know. You've got to flush it before. Oh, I don't know. I'm not. Th- <laughs> I mean, a real environmental toilet would be you just squat on. Uh, squat. In, in a river. In a river. <laughs> That's how a warrior shits. He squats yeah. on, on a rock in a river. And With it just, an axe in his hand. Yeah. And then, you know what? As he's shitting and the water just carries it away, he's, yeah. he's sharpening the axe. Yeah. Right? He barely registers shitting. No, apparently he doesn't know. And I'm watching him from the woods. A real man barely registers barely. shit. Yeah. He, he, a real man shits and does something else at the same time. Right? Well, I do that. There we go. But I don't sharpen an axe. I just, like, but refresh what? Facebook. <laughs> well, you're a modern real man. <laughs> yeah, so. Facebook is my axe. So this would really be a dick wilter for me if i was watching my warrior i'm changing my name to dick wilter by <laughs> dick the way. wilter and he was shitting in a in, in a move a rushing river right off of a rock yeah. and instead of sharpening his axe he was he was like refreshing his facebook page <laughs> that i would just slip off into the woods and look for someone else morrissey would do that like there's no way conan's gonna be sharing his status and change there's no way the next morning conan's go what a great battle we had what a great <laughs> bunch of guys hey conan did you like battling and picking <laughs> yeah i really did man that was an amazing group of guys i really hated that i had to kill attila like that but you know he went down like a man Oh, you know? that's so nice. It is nice. You know what people love about a Conan? What? Nicest guy ever. Nicest guy ever. <laughs> I mean, nicest guy ever. I mean, the other thing would be like, when I was a kid, I always used to, used to watch this horrible Canadian cartoon, Hercules. You remember? Her, her. Yeah, I watched it. I was Newt, the, you know, yeah. the Herc. fawn. Yeah. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, yeah. Or Tumnus. I'd be Tumnus. Was that the quiet one? No, Tumnus is the fawn from Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know that as well. I read the book when I was a kid, but right. I don't remember it as yeah. well. I wouldn't mind being, you know, even if, I, I wouldn't mind being half animal, like a centaur or a fawn, you know. Wait, didn't you have a bit about I do a bit about a centaur? centaurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do a bit about, I do a thing about being attracted to centaurs. And that, that was really, that happened with the guy, the that old one... spice guy. That's what, that's what did it. Oh, yeah. Do you remember those first Old Spice commercials? That guy, I can't remember what his name Yeah. Muhammad Mustafa, I think his name was. Yeah. And I was obsessed with him. Is his acting career still going, or no. was it just the Old what Spice the? thing? This is what killed me. Yeah. How could? How is he not a star? Yeah, the he old was Spice. really good. Amazing. He was so gorgeous, but and okay. so funny. You know what I had noticed? You could talk about, you could say the F word as in yeah. what you say. In your act, no problem. I mean, the F word for I know what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, And audiences go with you all in every corridor. But then I did, when you talked about centaur thing, that made them uncomfortable. And you're like, what the hell? This is fantasy. Because it's not. It's just. just Because they think of an an animal's dick. Yeah, they do. (laughs) And that, what's. Seriously, could you imagine he, if like horse Lenny Bruce got arrested for describing an animal's dick? <laughs> I can imagine that happening today. Yeah, I mean Lenny Bruce today would get in trouble for going after certain taboos. He'd get in trouble for going after the transgender movement or going after not not going after, but there's certain things but now that we're, a joke we're not it. even allowed to make jokes about. And and the, this phase in my career, I feel very strongly that I have a real purpose. And my job is to ignore all that. And I think it muck is muck it up. I thought, like you know, I'm not a real politically motivated comedian. I 
I'm always the butt of my jokes, you know. Right. But uh, I did find it interesting that we were super, super, as a society, super, super supportive of Caitlyn Jenner's mm-hmm. transition. And then when she came out as being anti-gay marriage, yeah. she didn't get eviscerated. No. Because it's like, what the hell? Because my, my, the world was so supportive of this big decision for you. Yeah. And then you're close-minded about... Uh, but, you know, Caitlyn Jenner is a, is a, uh, you know, deep down, I believe Caitlyn Jenner really wants men and uh can't oh, and really still repressed about that oh she's now open about it she's now oh. open about wanting a man okay okay and before when they asked bruce jenner if he was gay he was insulted right he was furious right i'm not gay and i look at him and i go well maybe you're just a really 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 repressed gay man who the only way you can actually pursue your true desires is to change your outside to make it more palatable to the world. Wow. Will this be the thing that ruins my career? <laughs> I'm not commenting on it because... See, you're not even commenting. But I think it's an interesting It's just an, inter- uh, idea it's just, it's an idea in general of anybody. You know? I think it's sad uh, in general uh, how... Uh, I, I do think that North America, for the most part, being uh, founded on the super repressive, repressive Catholic and Christian cultures, and the Puritan Puritans, the States, yeah, that, yeah. That, that 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 people um, do these mind bending uh, games within their own head, just to deny some sort of like natural desire that's yeah. totally harmless. Like my one of the things I'm doing, is one like of the- I thought the movie Grizzly Man. I thought that guy. Do you remember the Herzog Absolutely. documentary? That's about. I, I want to hear what you say because I think I'm going to agree with you. I I came out of that theater thinking he was repressed to the max that it took the point of actual grizzly bears That's eating right. him. That's right. I absolutely. Did you think you're, so? You're absolutely right. He was a gay man, yeah. totally gay. Yeah. The way he talked. He was gayer than Buddy Cole. He was married to that woman. He was so repressed <laughs> about his homosexuality yeah. that he had to prove he was a man. And he proved he was a man by living with grizzly bears. And they killed him because he could not accept his true desires, which is to have sex with men. And He's so actually, there's actually footage of him in the swamplands or whatever talking to giant bears like... Do you love me? I know. That's insane. It's insane. And it's like, if he had only just accepted that he wanted a big bear, a male, like a human bear, right? Like a big hairy guy, (laughs) he wouldn't be alive today. And the world is filled with that. There's lots of people, a lot of famous people that have died because they cannot accept their true desires. Yeah, and I really believe that. To me, if if I'm correct and we're correct about what we think about that movie, I always think of that movie as the perfect parable for the issue of yeah these mind bending yeah repressed games that some Americans have to or North Americans have to play. Absolutely, and and I think you know Europeans and certain other people they just don't have to play those games. But we really, really are repressed sexually, and we're deeply homophobic. I mean, the world is deeply homophobic. And I think really is frightened of same-sex desire. I mean, gay marriage is something, is a way, it's not about desire. Even the way that they talk about gay marriage, it's all about love and companionships. And what about fucking? Right. Like, where's fucking in all of this? When they say love wins, I'm like, really? Love wins? Sex wins. I can, I've 
always been free to love whoever I want. I've not been free to fuck whoever I want. It's not really love wins. Interesting. It's fucking wins. Right. And we're not still capable of, of dis- dealing with that. Like, we're still trying to repress people. I mean, I, I, do you know what I mean? Like, it's still about sex. We're still really screwed up about sex. Right. They make a big deal. The new, it's, a, it's a news article if there's a photo of well-known people, same-sex kissing. Yes, yeah, especially if they're young and attractive and people could still desire them. They don't mind if they're old. People love to see old lesbians tottering up City Hall <laughs> to get married after waiting 60 years. Tottering. Tottering. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, or pushing your lover in a wheelchair. <laughs> Finally. I waited like, 100 years. That's like, yeah, that's like looking at two turtles kissing. <laughs> yes. But, you know, if they had footage of them fucking in an alley when they were young... Mm, there's no more ah it's ooh, yeah it's like scary and you know sex is scary and people's desires are scary and everybody is unique and everybody is a freak in their own way and we should be free from shame right as long as it's consensual right as long as it's not involving children or anything like that then what the hell how can anyone be shame you shouldn't be ashamed you're like you can't help it you can't help what happens when you're young, right? That molds you, that, that imprints upon you. You shouldn't be ashamed of it. So your utopia would be a medieval fantasy battleground fuck fest. Yep, with antibiotics and glasses. <laughs> and glasses. <Yeah>. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That Don't you would, love that? Yeah. Do you and, feel relaxed about say, yeah. being open about this? And really simple fare, like simple food. Everything comes out of a big cast iron pot. <laughs> Only pot food, please. Yeah. Oh, shit. It's quarter to four. Oh, I got to go. And one more thing. And obviously, magic would be real. Right. Right. Magic. This was so much fun. Did you have fun? I had a great time. Are you going to make it to where you have to go on time? Yeah, I will. Okay, good. Okay, thank you. Thanks. All right, everybody. That was Scott Thompson. Scott, thank you so much for coming on. It was such a blast. Uh, We were happy to have you over and everybody listening. Wasn't that fun? Wouldn't that be a crazy world to live in? Um, And also follow uh, Scott Thompson on Twitter at Scott Thompson underscore. And uh, there's so much more going on. Like he said in the podcast, he's moving back to LA. He's going to be doing stuff. So always look out. His standup is touring around and it's always uh, fun to watch. Um, Yeah. I don't even have to tell you about him. You'll, you'll already know. And uh, follow him, though, at Scott Thompson underscore. And follow us at Utopia to Me. We're getting there. We're getting some people. You know what? I know that it's weird. It's sort of a conflict to promote two Twitter accounts, right? At Utopia to Me, at Chris Lock Fun. Both ran by the s- same guy. Like, hey, follow this. Follow that. I'm a megalomaniac. I need everything. Yum, yum, yum. I'm at a buffet of life, and I'm taking advantage of every dish. Well, yeah, I guess that's what it is. But you know what? Make me feel, uh, you know, a little uh, cool with uh, everybody that listens to the podcast. And follow at Utopia to me. What's the harm to you? You're basically, you're barely in front of the computer. You know, right? It's sunny out. You're always running outside in the park or going camping or uh, playing soccer. Uh, And if you're in uh, Europe, I know you're always playing football. Here's the thing. At Utopia to me, find out about uh, other episodes and... uh, all that kind of stuff, and also, and and maybe special things. I don't know. We'll see. And also follow me at Chris Lock Fun. Uh, if you're listening to this 
as uh, close to when it comes out, I have an album recording here in Toronto at the Ossington, May 24th and May 25th at 9 p.m. And uh, the show is called Demons Are Eating My Head. Uh, I came up with that title in a fury uh, late one night, and it's going to be a super fun. So the Ossington, May 24th and 25th, Demons Are Eating My Head. Come check it out. All right. Uh, other than that, that was it. That was the show. Get out there. Um, do your thing. Enjoy the sun uh, here in Toronto. Spring has finally sprung, and uh, it's May, and we're having a good time. May flowers. You know what I'm saying? Go out there and pick some flowers and put them in your hair and uh, and dance around and have a good time. Enjoy yourselves. Thank you. Thank you.